having a more, a much more sober recording than normal. Welcome back to Hand of Pod. afternoon. No one's had any chances to send questions in yet, which is uh, frustrating, but there we go. Um, and we're attempting to get this online before the midweek round. Well, I'm not going to get it online before the midweek round kicks off, but we're attempting to get this one online before most of the midweek round has been played. It kicks off in about an hour and a half's time as we record. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week in my living room by English Dan. Hello, Sam. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, and by William Kelly, who is making his second appearance on Hand of Pod, my little brother. Hello! Calling him from the distance. Um, he's sitting on the sofa behind us and claims he's not going to say anything, but he is. Um, Just did. Yes, you did. Well done. Um, <laughs> we have a few games to get through uh, from last weekend, so why not jump straight in? We'll deal with the Super Classico after, I think, after going through the others briefly. Um, Friday was an exciting day for Argentine football. Possibly the worst Friday in the history of Friday football. Yeah, just about. Um, I'm trying to see, was there even a red card in any of these matches (laughs) to talk about? None in all boys, Godoy Cruz. None in the Estudiantes versus Olimpo. There was in Argentinos. There was, there were two in uh, Belgrano versus Argentinos because Belgrano finished with nine men. Uh, Cesar Pereira, Picante... And Sergio Rodriguez both sent off uh, in during the last uh, half hour for Belgrano, but Argentinos obviously couldn't break them down because they're crap. Um, all three of those matches finished goalless. Those were the three Friday evening games. Yeah, it didn't send a very good precedent, but luckily after, after that it picked up a bit. It did just a little bit, didn't it? Vélez yes. got things rolling on Saturday afternoon. Uh, they were 1 0 down to Ignacio La Plata at half time at home and they ran out 5 1 victors. Uh, 1 2 two goals from Agostina Aleone, uh, who I think scored his. No, it wasn't his first goal, was it? In the, for the Copa Libertadores. Um, last week it was his first Libertadores goal, but it wasn't his first Vélez goal. No, he scored a few in Vélez. Um, 1 4 um, uh, Mauro. No, I was okay. about to say Nahuel. There's a uh, lot of Zaratis around. Yeah, there are too many. Sergio, Roli. Zarate. One for Hector Canteros and one for Lucas Prato. I'm just handing William mm-hmm. his mat there. Um, did you see that one? I missed it. I didn't, actually. I saw the goals and, yeah, I think more than anything, it was just ruthless, ruthless stuff from Vélez. They went down um, to the first goal and they just came back with a vengeance and... I think the most impressive thing, I believe, I could be wrong, but they even rested a couple of players, right? They didn't have a full, full strength team out. Yeah. They um, would have what is called a mix, let's say. Yeah, yeah. Perez Acuna, right back. Dominguez Tobio Papa in defence. Aleone Canteros. Yeah, so Cubero wasn't so playing. Sort of yeah. um, Cubero, I think. Cubero was suspended, in fact. Ah, right. Um, I'll explain it. But yeah, they were obviously they're rotating slightly with the Copa Libertadores. Yeah. Um, and. Statistic-wise, I mean, Ruthless is, is correct. They had, um, I think I saw on, on another stats page that it was uh, six shots on target. Yeah. Um, and they scored five goals. And Gimnasia had six shots on target and scored one goal. So yeah, it tells your story, yeah. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, later on, we didn't, after that, those three goalless games on Friday, we didn't have a single other goalless draw uh, the whole weekend because Newell's old boys against Quilmes. Newell's, remember, had won three in a row at home in the league. Uh, they've been held by a very late equaliser from Gremio in the Copa Libertadores in the meantime, um, with almost the last touch, and it happened again. David Tresiger put them ahead uh, the seventy-eighth minute um, before Gonzalo Rios equalised for Quilmes. That's a big point for Quilmes in the relegation battle. Mm. Unfortunately, allows Carlos Lombardi to keep shouting about himself. And but wasn't he going to leave if he didn't win? I mean, he's still there. He drew against Boca, he drew against 
and yours now, and yet he won't leave. No, he's no. never going to leave. Still, I think at this point in the point. season, Kilmers need more than point. At one point, they really need to start winning. Yes, Otherwise, absolutely. Um, going to be looking at relegation. Newell's, can we rule them out the title race now? No, I don't think you can ever rule Newell's out. They're down in ninth, but they are only four points off the lead. Exactly, four points in nine games in, in Argentina means nothing. I mean, was it San, Loren- San Lorenzo were champions with 33 points last year? Yeah. And the top team at the moment has 17? Uh, Colón have 18. 18. Uh, so yeah, we're looking pretty right much that. Like, if we double that, that's 36. So it's going to be around that tally, I think, again. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Kilmus, as you mentioned, are, uh, do need three points rather than one at a time. They are still in the middle of the three teams in the relegation zone. Obviously, they're dividing their matches by uh, they're dividing their points by fewer matches than Godoy Cruz and Argentinos, who are the two sides sandwiching them. Um, but it still isn't looking great for them. It is looking great if you're a Caruso Lombardi hater. Um, the other match on Sunday, down. Congratulations! What a match! Having claimed a, a second victory of the season, um, a week and a well, basically a week and a half ago, um, Racing have now they've got unbeaten in two games. Yep, what and happens? the frustrating thing is, if you watch that game, especially from a Racing fan's point of view, you can't but think it could have been more. Mm-hmm. Um, Racing started. We'll give a general overview at the moment. Uh, Racing opened the scoring. Just after half time, actually, after a pretty tepid first half, kind of very uh, lots of fouls, lots of hard play, not really much happening. Um, with actually a lovely team goal that was uh, polished off by Rodrigo de Paul, who hasn't been my favourite person at all this year or um, the previous year. You know. He's gone off the boil a bit, hasn't he? Since yeah, a I mean, fairly promising first semester. Yeah, I'm um, not sure what happens. I think a lot of the problem is he's stuck out. Pl- Playing out on the left, I think he's more of a, um, a natural playmaker, but he's been playing on the left of a four-four-two. Mm. So kind of, he's not been receiving the ball in an advanced enough position or in a central enough position to really take advantage. You know, he tries to do his skills and stuff, and it isn't paying off in the middle of the field. But he finished well to open the scoring before um, Rafaela jumped straight back with some pretty shoddy defending by Racing. You know. Uh, defensive line reinforced by Pablo Alvarado but still you know pretty pretty brittle and, and suspect I can't remember who scored the first goal Albertengo Lucas, Lucas Albertengo yeah. scored the first Lucas goal Lucas Albertengo yeah. and then of course I remember who scored the second goal because it was none other than Rafaela legend and Racing legend I should say Racing legend because he's only played with Rafaela for a while Adrian Bastia who scored his first goal in six years was it? Or five years? Since 2008, so six years, yeah. <laughs> when I think he was playing for Racing. He was, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was scored against River, in fact. Uh-huh. In a classic, I think, that's right, I think in a 2-1 defeat, but I can't remember. The, there we the go. And he actually played very well. You know, he's, what, 35 now, or 36, and he's, yeah, he's still a monster in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Um, Racing fans would like to see him back. I was having a discussion with, with Hand of Pod listener and world football commentator, uh, Paul Serres during the match because he was saying that uh, he really rates uh, Bastia and I I think he's a bit of a donkey most of the time I think um, they're both right actually but it has to be said that in in the last few matches I ended up agreeing with Paul he has been <coughs> immense <coughs> there we go still alive still alive excellent um, he has been immense that in, yeah, yeah <laughs> um, he has been immense in the last uh, four or five games um, at yeah, least. I, I mean, think really, just... so so far in 2014, um, he's he's stepped back up to to what many would would claim is his previous level. Mm. Some Racing fans seem to love him. Seba, I know, hates him. Really, thinks he's deeply overrated. <laughs> um, but there you go. I think he's uh, the kind of player you'd want on your side if you're fighting relegation. Yes, yeah, as in sense. Caruso might be the kind of manager you want when you're fighting relegation. Bastia will be the kind of player you want. You know. Yes. Right, uh, he's, he's got the ability to kick opposing players without exactly. the ref seeing. As and well. occasionally the ball, sometimes the nice. ball. Yeah. Uh, then, so Racing, we thought, oh no, two one. This because it'll be the first time this year Racing have never been able to come back from a losing position, mm. either to get a draw or a win. But they managed this time with a goal from Luciano Vieto, which was very well, very welcome. I believe his second of the season. Uh, yes, I think you're right, which means that he's uh, second of the torneo inicial, which means, yep. uh, yeah, over, over all the season, 
Uh, it'll be a sixth once, which means he pulls ever so slightly further clear of Sebastian Saha <laughs> um, as Racing's top scorer. Indeed, indeed. Sebastian Saha, for Williams' benefit, is Racing's goalkeeper. He scored he's three, scored three this season. Um, so, three yeah. this year, in fact. He's still the leading scorer for the final because he didn't score any in the initial. Didn't he? I think he scored one. I don't think he Could did. We, we looked it up during recording oh. last week and, uh, and he hadn't done. Um, so, the good news is, yeah. So you're feeling good point. about Racing now and Dan? They're up to uh, 19th in the table. Yeah, but it should have been more because they should have had um, an extra two points from that game. There was a penalty, which was... Oh, no other way of looking at it. There was a penalty. I don't know if you saw it. I didn't. Uh, it was like a long I, ball I, to I, the... I saw a photograph afterwards, which, which yeah. was quite amusing. A long ball to the right, the video and Serra was hearing after it. I think he just about got a touch. And uh, Rafael Equipa Condi came out. God knows what he was doing. And just... Jumped on him. It wasn't in the quite box. Schumacher on Battiston, but it was, uh, the, as I say, I've only seen a picture of it, and the yeah. picture looks almost as, as bad. It's not hip into head, but it's uh, very much full body yeah. contact with the no, ball. Not even, not even a foul, I think. I can't remember if it was De Paul who was saying after the game, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure if it was um, a penalty or a free kick, because I can see from where I was if it was outside or inside the box, but it was just... No way it couldn't have been a foul, at least a foul. Yeah. And it was inside the box, so. Yeah, a little bit of um, disappointment there. We could have called up Saka for his fourth of the season, but no, nah, it wasn't meant to be. Probably just as well for the dignity of racing strikers in some ways. Um, mm, yeah. On Sunday, there were four further games, and of course, we're building up to, to the one that you all know we're going to talk about. First of all, Lanús beat. Rosario Central 2-1 in a match in which obviously Guillermo Barros Esquiloto, the Lanús manager, had a lot of choice words to say about the AFA and the refereeing, because he always does, even when they win. Um, in his defence, there is supposedly a, a limit of 78 or 76 hours um, that teams have to be given as rest after playing a Copa Libertadores game before they play their league match. Um, and it had not passed. Lanús were made to play before because they played on Thursday night mm. and had to play at uh, four, five, five, uh, four, no, three, three. three on uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, so there we go. But they still beat Rosario Central anyway. Two one goals from uh, Victor Achala and Carlos Izquierdos, Carlos Lefts. Um, the cracker from Carrizo. Yes, uh, Federico Carrizo got uh, Rosario Central's. Uh, well, at the time it was, it was an equaliser. Yeah. Um, it is Federico Carrizo, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. I've remembered his name. He's suspended. He also got booked, so he's suspended for the next match. So a mixed match for Carrizo. <laughs> um, not much else to say about that one. We'll get into the table, obviously, a little bit later on when we've summed up all the results. Um, there was then a 1-0 victory for Arsenal de Sarandí. This was momentous, partly because Arsenal de Sarandí have not won many matches in the league so far this season. Although they do deserve congratulations, because when we last recorded, they had the chance, and they have since taken it, to qualify for the knockout stage mm. of the Copa Libertadores for the first time in their history. Uh, they've done so with the game to play. They beat uh, Answategui of Venezuela 2-1, wasn't it? I think. 2-1. On yeah. uh, Wednesday. I'm going to say Wednesday. Some day midweek. Uh, there was a very confusing Libertadores schedule. It's always confusing. Week. No one ever knows when the games are being played. Mm. Probably why the AFA got caught out with Lanos. That's true. <laughs> um... The other reason that that was a notable victory was that it was Colón's first defeat since the opening day of the Torneo Final against Racing. Yeah. Um, there's one other reason as well. Go on. Because it was the bottom place club beating the top place club. Of course it Quite was. Comfortable. Yeah, so Colón have lost right. against the two bottom place clubs, basically. And nobody else in between. They had an eight-match unbeaten run. They remain top of the league, uh, still on 18 points, but of course that result combined with the Vélez Sarsfield um, victory and Estudiantes 0-0 draw with Olimpo on the Friday I mean that those two teams Vélez and Estudiantes are now only one point behind Colón as are one other team who we should get onto in a second before we mention the very last match of the weekend which was obviously always going to be a draw between Tigre and San Lorenzo because that's what Tigre do what was rather more surprising was that it was not a 0-0 draw but a 2-2-1 with two goals coming in the last five minutes of the match. Um, I didn't see this one, I must say. I didn't see this one coming. I did see the match. Thanks. Um, very, very early scoring. 
from San Lorenzo. Angel Correa got things going with a, a blast from the edge of the box, which was too hard um, for spaghetti-wristed goalkeeper Javier Garcia to keep out. Um, and that looked to be it. Because, of course, Colón had scored an early penalty against Tigre the previous week in the third minute, and nothing had happened afterwards because Tigre, as I mentioned last week, even when they draw... Even when they lose 1-0, they still look like they're drawing 0-0. They just can't do anything. They can't score. They can't concede anymore. Um, Very, very hard team to score against. Um, Until the 63rd minute, when from what was becoming a fairly dire game, Matias Perez Garcia, who in many ways has been the reason that Tigre have struggled to score, uh, because he's a superb playmaker normally, but he's been really off form during this Torneo final so far, uh, pulled down a long diagonal ball from across the box in a fantastic fashion and finished right across the goal for 1-1 and then things got really silly because Ariel Nahuel Pan scored his first goal for Tigre really? I think it was his first goal for Tigre um, with about four minutes to go and Tigre led the champions 2-1 Nahuel Pan did his very best to miss it it was crossed him from the left hand side and he almost hit it back where the cross had come from but it just about crept over the line um, and then in the 92nd minute with seven seconds left on the clock Emmanuel Mas um, scored the equaliser so they should have known after Nahuel Pan's goal that there was always more to come <laughs> right get it Spanish speakers are like that one excellent or not um, <laughs> now I must say I was very pissed off with that result why and the river game because in the Argentine version of the pools mm. I had a super classical draw draw and a Tigre win which is pretty out there, pretty um, pretty outrageous. Yeah. And up until what the fourth minute of injury time, I was right. Mm. And up until four minutes from the end of the Super Clasico, I was right too. But we'll find out why I wasn't. That's a fantastic segue, Dan. I liked uh, chucking a few segues every now and then. And you're right. We spoke last week about the fact that River Plate had not beaten Boca Juniors in almost ten years. May two thousand and four was the last one in La Bombonera. I need to add. Obviously, they've beaten them. In the meantime, albeit only once in competitive matches. Um, no, that's not right. They've only been them once in the last six years, uh, the last ten meetings in competitive matches. Um, but in the last ten years, it's been a couple more, because, of course, that's 18, uh, 19 meetings now. Um, they, well, the first half was... What did you think, Dan? I'll let a neutral um, take to it. I, I thought that by Super Classico standards, the first half was all right. It wasn't bad. Like You could see both teams wanted to get a result and they were um, they were going out to win it but obviously they weren't helped by the deluge that hit Buenos Aires on Sunday mm. which actually had the game under a bit of danger for a while they weren't entirely sure if it was going to be played yeah, I, think they realized they, that, I think they were trying to, to build up some uh, drama more than anything with that because yeah, it as I say I didn't see Lanús Central at the time but it was played a couple of hours earlier and I did see clips of it later and the pitch yeah. looked a lot worse in that match True. than the Super Classico. I'm guessing with La Roca you've always got to take into account this a lot lower down you know you've got yeah, true. all kind of reclaimed land there so I think if it rains in La Roca it's, it's going to be a bit of a mud bath but the pitch held up in the end but you could see that there weren't ideal conditions for playing so I thought Bocam in the first half were the team that uh, chased the game a little bit more they tried to hold on possession I think Riva knew exactly the, what they were doing from the start. Um, Ramon Diaz had them, what they call kind of waiting. You know, mm. they wanted to, they weren't going to either go out attacking or really push themselves on the counter. It was really patient, just hoping um, Boca would kind of tie themselves out that nothing would would materialise, and then taking the few chances they had, which they did. All credit to them. They're very tight at the back and. And they took their chances. They, they did. Uh, the, the deadlock was broken just before the hour mark by Manuel Lancini. Um, possibly the most surprising bit of that, of course, is Lancini's second goal in consecutive Bombonera Superclasicos because last year uh, he scored the fastest goal in the fixture's history. Mm. Uh, what was it? 37 seconds? Something 47 like seconds? Something like that. Um, he opened the scoring by running onto a, a cut through from Teofilo Gutierrez who's yeah, done something part. useful in a, in a big match for River for a change uh, apart from obviously the goal he scored against San Lorenzo before missing five really good chances um, earlier this year uh, Lancini ran through his first touch when he first when he, when he first touched it it looked like he'd taken it ever so slightly too far um, but he 
judged his own momentum better than most TV viewers did, which is unsurprising, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, you think he could. And just about managed to beat Agostino Rion to the ball and a low finish across the face of the goal. So laugh what he chipped it up? Is it not? Hmm. Let's say in the middle of the goal, let's, let's go with the average of our two as <laughs> Well, it finished yeah. low, but I think he looped it Yeah, I think you're right, actually, finish, yeah. yeah. Um, over the goalkeeper, low into the net. Um, before we saw, well, ten minutes later, uh, the best goal of the Super Classic. Oh, well, actually, Nancini's was, was no, good. No, 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 no. And from open play. Um, I'll give you the results, but of, the goal of the game goes to one man. In, in, in terms of uh, free kicks, and the other thing is normally I, I don't like to to give a dead ball um, that much credit anyway, but it was phenomenal. Um, free kick from Juan Roman Riquelme, making it 1-1 in the 67th minute with, well... That was fantastic. Tell us about it, Dom. I think it was free kick perfection. There's no other way to, um, to say it. And every time you watched it again in, you know, in slow motion, it just got better. It just seemed to kiss the underside of the crossbar as it went in as yeah. well. It didn't didn't noticeably touch it but it was so close to the angle yeah. I think I said to someone I was working that day for the Herald and I said to someone in the office like imagine uh, training exercise when they hang um, an old tyre over the angle of the goal Yeah, it would have gone in without touching the, the rubber Yeah, it was that perfect like Baravero it looked at the start that he got forward or anything but I think he just knew like he wasn't getting anywhere near yeah, he didn't move for it at all no. really. it, was, um, it, was, it was brilliant well he took one step towards it and then yeah. and it was already in the net Um Probably all of our listeners have, have seen it by now, but it, it bears some going over anyway. And um, it's significant because it could well be the last goal Rekamo <laughs> scores in a Superclassico. It could be, yeah, because he's in dispute with Boca over a new contract. Indeed. Um, the directors, Daniel Angelisi particularly, Boca's president, was saying before the match um, that uh, Riquelme is not getting any younger. They're quite right, he's 36 <laughs> years old. Um, any, is anyone getting any younger? <laughs> no. And, uh, well, I mean, really... It, it's worrying for Boca because as we keep saying they do look much more creative when he's on the pitch it's true he really can't do very much apart from take set pieces these days no I mean and there's the very very fleeting moment of brilliance from open play as well of yeah. course because he's still got the brain um, but the body is not as willing as, as the mind is yeah. anymore and I think the real problem is maybe in another um, another era for Boca when you know another generation when you got players like Tevez, you got goal scorers like Palermo, you got you know class all around the pitch. You can excuse having him just planted in the middle of the pitch, doing flicks and nutmegs and what he loves to do. Yeah. But uh, now, you know, with the limited Boca side, it's just one more player they can't really afford. That's the the impression I get. Rupert Fryer is coming to Buenos Aires in a few weeks' time, ladies yeah. and gents. We're very excited to have him on because he left Buenos Aires as a matter of days before we recorded the first ever Hand of Pod, which is why he's not been on. And uh, I want to try and get you two on the same episode, because Rupert claimed in his Super Classical preview for Setanta that Boca have arguably the best squad in Argentina. And I think Rupert's, I, I love Rupert very much, but Don't I think he's bear. deeply mistaken. Don't bear. Uh, Fernando Gago's quite good, of course. Um, not that he's playing like it so far. And he no. had another very poor game um, on Sunday. Lancini, in particular, also Carlos Carbonero running forward from Rivers midfield, just completely gobbled him up. Um, Juan Sanchez Mino wasn't given any time to breathe. River had played excellently on, on the counter and in attack. Um, and they got their reward, I think. Cause, uh, I, I think, I'm holding my hands up, obviously regular listeners know that I'm a, a River sympathiser. Um I think, and I'm actually slightly surprised to hear myself saying this, I, I think they did deserve the victory. Um, and they got it through, <laughs> hilariously. This was the best bit of all, if you're a River fan. No one can believe this. A, a goal Mori. from Funes Mori. Funes Mori. With just a few minutes to go. Not the misfiring Benfica B striker, who is the reason for all of the hilarity, uh, but his twin brother, Ramiro Funes Mori. Centre-back, who was playing at left-back because of Leonel Vangioni's suspension. He's being uh, dropped um, this in midweek as well because Vangioni's back from suspension. So Funes Mori is going to be the only player who doesn't play um, both matches for River. He did well actually. Apart from the goal, I thought he mm. he was pretty solid. Like didn't you know? Obviously, didn't really cross the halfway line ever. No, but he didn't make any mistakes. He was pretty pretty solid. I know we were messing around as well in the office saying uh, when the TV flicked to. Um, Savela, the um, Argentina coach. Ah, yeah, he's here. And he's here to see Funimori. There you go. That's, uh, that's the solution to the left-back trouble. 
It turned out to be true. It turned out to well, I don't know how much. If he's got a little note with um, <laughs> Sean is muddy, better goal scorer than brother. I don't yeah, know. we'll see. Um, it was a towering header, and in some ways, it, it sort of uh, terrible goalkeeping. There, we it, must say. It, it, yes, it, it was poor goalkeeping. Um, in some ways, the header sort of encapsulated what I was saying earlier about uh, Rivers' midfield gobbling up Fernando Gago because I'm not sure who was marking Funes Mori and when it went in I actually initially tweeted that he was completely unmarked and it was only when the replay got shown I realised there was a guy marking him yeah. and but he just got completely obliterated in the air I didn't notice he was even there um, really really impressive header uh, he was subsequently booked because he doesn't score goals very often he doesn't know how to celebrate so he just tore his shirt off and screamed um, I think that's fairly appropriate Yes, I mean if you can't situation. if you can't celebrate a, a winning goal in the 85th minute of a Super Classico mm, in La Bombonera with no <laughs> away fans, um, then when can you? There was a load of stuff afterwards as well uh, going around the, the River Plate Twitter sphere about what the kit men had done with the the um, dressing room at the La Bombonera to make the River mm. players feel at home. A motivational video that the mm. directors had shown them before they left the Monumental, making them feel like they had the full support of the fans behind them and everything. All of that is the kind of stuff that wouldn't have got an airing if they drawn no. and lost the match. Of course, uh, it's only it's only because they won it that suddenly it's the reason that they won was all of this stuff. Um, but a, a reasonably entertaining Super Classico. Yeah, I think we could be happy. You know, can't really expect that much more from it. But one or two people suggesting that it buried the ghost of Rivers' relegation, which of course is complete rubbish. But it is Rivers' uh, first victory over Boca since they came back to the Primera. Yep. And he does get a, a degree of revenge for the Superclassico that William and I were at six months ago, in which Boca beat River in the Monumental. Speaking of William, I did say that he was going to say a few words. Um, and the reason for this is that he just got back into Argentina before this Superclassico was played. So we thought we'd drag him on because we, we say every time a Superclassico is played that it paralyses the country, that everything just grinds to a halt in Argentina so that everybody can watch the Superclassico. Every television screen is, is turned on to this match. How do you see um, this? So, um, Manuel Lanzini's brother scored, scored a goal for New Valencia. My word. I didn't know didn't Manuel Lanzini had a brother. No. Much less than he was playing in Ooh, Chile. he's a big boy. It's Chile, isn't it, New Valencia? Yes, uh, Cloudy. Kike, definitely, I remember. Um, but anyway, we, we talk about how every television set is tuned into the Super Classico, and my brother was unable to catch most of the first half because the one in the cafe he was in was tuned into Cartoon Network, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't actually see any of the first half. And the second half I saw on off with um, Ooh, Ben Ten, I think. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't comment much on it other than the free kick I saw. Which, uh, which cartoons was were being watched and why in the cafe that you were in? There was some five year old kid, I think he was the daughter of the uh, of the owner uh, the son of the owner. And uh, yeah, he was into Star Wars or something. He found it hilarious that I wanted to watch the football and couldn't. Um, <laughs> and you were rescued by a bunch of Boca fans again. Yeah, a bunch of Boca fans who were who were on their motorbikes heading south uh, came in and wanted to watch it and they were yeah, they they persuaded the lady a bit better than I could to, to turn it over and put the remote control just out of reach of the kid. So, uh, but at, at the end, anyway, yeah, like like you say, the uh, the country maybe the country is paralysed by it. There was there were processions of tooting cars and guys on bikes with river river flags and. Yeah, it was going on for a, for a good hour or a couple of hours afterwards. That's in La Quiaca, so Which is right on the border. Right on the border. Uh, <coughs> with, bless you. Uh, you. Which is right on the border with Bolivia. Um, so Will came down almost right after that match, didn't you? You got on the... Well, a few hours, a few hours, a few hours later I left, yeah. So there you go, and he arrived at six o'clock this morning, which is why I sound a bit tired, if I do sound a bit tired. Um, yeah, because usually you're up at nine o'clock, ten o'clock for the life. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> you train yeah. kids, sir. Uh, what else were we going to mention about this? Oh, the positions, of course. Yes, yes. right. These uh, we've already mentioned that the Donnell final is rather congested, uh, congested, uh, just like English Town is at the moment. Indeed. Um, Colón have 18 points, as I said. Vélez and Estudiantes have 17, as I've also said. And of course, that victory for River Plate means that they've suddenly got a real honest-to-God title challenge on their hands because they've also got 17 points. Um, 
We've then got Godoy Cruz and Lanús on 16, San Lorenzo and Olimpo on 14, on 15, sorry, uh, Newell's on 14, Atletico Rafaela and All Boys on 13, Boca Juniors, Rosario Central, Belgrano de Cordoba, Gimnasia La Plata on 12. Mm-hmm. That's the top 15 within six points of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be the same all through the league. Yeah. Exactly the same as happened with, with River. You win two games in this league or three games and you're right up in the, the title race. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, River also, we were talking just a very short while ago about how they just couldn't score more than one goal a game. They've now scored twice in three consecutive matches. Admittedly, their record in those matches is lost one, drawn uh, one, two. Um, because, of course, they lost 3-2 to all boys in the first game of that sequence, but they're now 1-2 in a row. They're at home against Newell's old boys, whose um, away form is, is very poor, um, really. On, uh, on, let me just see. It'll be Thursday night. I think sure. it's Thursday. I just want to double-check before saying it. No, it's tomorrow, in fact. Really? It's Wednesday. That's uh, quarter past eight local time. Both River and Boca play on Wednesday. Boca are on at uh, away to Central. They're oh, playing on Saturday. public holiday, I'm guessing. At ten past five. Oh, is it? Yep, tomorrow is Malvinas Day. Of course it is, yes. I've got it. Um, so, those are the standings. The relegation table is, as we've already mentioned, who's in the relegation zone. In fact, Argentinos bottom. Um, Kilmes second bottom, Godoy Cruz then. Uh, a three-point jump up to all boys and Colón, who are level on 130 points. Tigre with 132 because they can't win. They're drawing too many, just like Kilmes, in fact. Um, they could get sucked down into it. Fabian Alegre, Fabian Alegre is still the Tigre manager at the moment, um, but he's clinging on. There were rumours that he would have left if they hadn't beaten San Lorenzo the other night. Um, obviously, he's not left. He's still the boss at the moment. But we shall see for how much longer. Um, and Atletico de Rafael, I would say, are probably safe. They're on 135, so they're eight points clear of Godoy Cruz. I'd like you to say they're safe, um, and because that means they're racing are safe. Yes. <laughs> well, for now. Rafael is, uh, Atletico's form is a little bit better than Racing's. Um, I wonder about Gimnasia as well, if they could get sucked down in it, because obviously it's their first season. I would be surprised, but it is certainly doable. Gimnasia, 39. Well, Central um, and Gimnasia. Yeah. They start losing games and they're going to start plummeting. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they need to, to get back to winning ways soon. Um, Gimnasia in particular, I think Gimnasia have got... Um, Tigre. They've not won in a few matches, if I remember no, right. Um, yeah. they, they play Tigre on Thursday. Anything more to cover? Yeah, from the local league... I don't know if you want to um, cast an eye over the National V. We had a couple of very interesting games last night. Oh, you're right. Yeah, we could do. Could Just a bit of a roundup. Like we've got two teams that are almost definitely be joining us in uh, Primera next year. Yeah, we've we've been uh, quite good on on covering uh, the Nacional B regularly over the last few weeks. So why not just at least round up the main results? Independiente on Saturday got a three nil victory over Tachere de Cordoba with Facundo Parra scoring a hat trick. The first win in eight games. When we started recording, ESPN were actually showing a retrospective of hat tricks <laughs> for Independiente in the last in, in the last few years. Um, so Independiente got a, a really vital win if they're going to keep oh. up the promotion push. Instituto beat Villa San Carlos 3-2 in what looks like a bit of a thriller um, they went 2-0 up before being pegged back to 2-2 and then uh, Velasquez which Velasquez is that oh we can't see their names on this somebody called Velasquez scored the winner this is the disadvantage of not having a lower league specialist on um, the other big results from there are Defensa Justicia 2 Sarmiento 0 they stay up in first they do and he's got the goals by the way I know you, I saw he's got the first one but I didn't see who scored the second one Camacho and Fernandez. there we go uh, Brian Leonel Fernandez. that's a hell of a name and Washington <laughs> Washington Fernando Camacho. Fernando Camacho magnificent names they've got as well as nice they're first for something yeah um, and Banfield last night away to Patronato de la Juventud Católica got a 2-0 victory with goals from uh, it was Ricardo Noir Noir and Santiago Salcedo and Crack the and hardest kick. struck free kick you are ever likely to see in your lives from Santiago Salcedo as Dan says smashed in off the, the underside of the crossbar 
Um, when it happened, it was so quick, I actually thought it bounced out off the bar and hit the keeper in the back and gone in. And it was only after seeing about three replays that I realised it had just gone straight in. And that no. was how, how fast it, it happened. And the Banfield keeper in that game, who is, I can't remember his name, but he's the reserve for Enrique Bologna, saved two penalties. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah. notice that. Uh, the Banfield keeper in that game was... No, we can't see the names. No. That's a shame. There we go. Um, this leaves the defensive of DCR 60, Banfield 59, then there's an 11 point drop, but for the moment, Independiente are edging out Instituto on goal difference. Of course, if they finish level on points, they'll have to play a tie break, um, both on 48 points in third place. Then Gimnasia y Grima de Jujuy on 44. Their result was a 3 1 victory over Central uh, Crucero del Norte. Who slightly disappointingly, forehand of potlessness, uh, are now down in sixth on 43 points. They've got a game in hand, though. Oh, they have got a game in hand, you're right, yeah. So fingers crossed they win that, that will put them on 46, just two below the promotion spots again. We really want Cruzeiro to not do in the Primera next season. Yes, we do. It will be hilarious. Um, <clears throat> not much else to say, I don't think. That's, that's the Nacional B. Here is some music, and whilst I'm playing it, I shall go and check whether we've actually had anyone ask any questions yet. back we have had no questions sent in on twitter this year uh, this year this week um possibly because i didn't tweet until a couple of hours ago that we were recording so early uh, so apologies for that if you did have a question planned for us and didn't manage to get it in on time but my brother has very kindly provided a question do you want to read it out again Mum? yeah uh, when are they going to let away fans back into games english down when are they going to let away fans back into games you tell us <coughs> I believe it is going to be for the upcoming tournament. So it will be the um, 2014 Inicial. But it's not at all um, confirmed yet. We thought for a while it was going to be uh, for this season, for the final. But at the end, I think it was more than anything. The Buenos Aires province security authorities that kind of said, look, we're not taking responsibility for this. Like We don't want it. So that kind of... Um, put the dampers on on that but apparently it's going to be the coming season but we shall see I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of political machinations to come and we shall God see the, the, the operative words in that reply um, there are no more questions we do have a couple of very quick news bites the first is that Juan Roman Riquelme apparently finished the game with cramp on Sunday and, and he's miss, therefore yeah. ruled out away to Rosario Central tomorrow Wednesday um, that's a shame, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, Daniel Arkeli sees exact quote, the president of Boca Juniors, he's going to be 36 years old and time passes for everybody, but there is no set in stone position. That's how I'm going to choose to... It's hardly a ringing endorsement then. No, it's not really, is it? <laughs> um, we'll see. It'll turn out to be another two month long. Will he, won't he, sir? Yeah, they'll sign off for another, another year, six months or something, or, or year, won't they? Yeah, um, I'm sure. And the other is... Do you know what today is for San Lorenzo fans, Dan? It's, it's their birthday. birthday. And apart from that? No. I don't know what the other one is. El Ciclon. Uh-huh. Says here, I'm, I've got uh, the digital version of El Grafico Daily, uh, which mm-hmm. is free. I recommend the app if you can get access to Google Play Store Argentina. Um, on my tablet here. It says El Ciclon celebrates their 106 years. That's how old they are. Um, they left it, yeah. And today they are expecting a great announcement. Mm. An agreement with Carrefour for the long awaited return to the Holy Land. That's uh, the old the site of the old stadium. Um, is becoming a, a more realistic reality. A more realistic reality. Beautiful translation I'm doing on the fly here. <laughs> Um, after 30 years of waiting, the return to Boedo is on. They're on the verge of reaching agreement with Carrefour, the French supermarket chain who eventually bought the plot of their old stadium off the, well, military government mm-hmm. uh, sympathisers 
whose hands it had fallen into after the military government. I think it fed into. I think it was pretty firmly placed into. Passed into yeah. exactly. Um, the uh, we've talked before about the law of historical restitution that was passed, um, which basically meant that Carrefour were forced by the Argentine government to negotiate a price for the land with San Lorenzo or have it expropriated. Mm-hmm. Um, the six-month window that they were given initially, or the nine-month window, passed in the middle of last year, and it was given a, a I think a, an extension. Um, but it appears now that San Lorenzo are that bit closer. We're expecting something anytime soon. Could be today, could be tomorrow, but there should be an announcement sometime this week about that. Interesting. Good news for San Lorenzo then. Very good news for San Lorenzo. And I've just realised as well that we should also have a quick chat, since we've not got any Copa Libertadores this week, in order to make this bit go out of date before it gets online, um, about Argentine side's chances in the Copa Libertadores. We now um, have two teams already qualified. We have Vélez and Arsenal. Vélez Sarsfield got a 3-1 away win away to Atletico Paranaense um, last week sometime. We can't remember which of these games would have been played. I don't think any of them have been played when we recorded last week, actually. Um, they've got 12 points with one game to go. Atletico Paranaense have got nine, so Vélez haven't absolutely guaranteed top spot, but they more or less have. Um, the strongest have seven and Universitario of Peru are out already. They can't even finish third. Um, they've only got one point. One point. So Ooh. Vélez are through. Congratulations, Vélez. The others, as we already mentioned, are Arsenal de Sarandí, who won 2-1, uh, 3-1 away to mm. Deportivo Anzuategui of Venezuela. Um, I think in that group the Santos Laguna are also through. Yes, they are. Santos Laguna topped the group with 13 points. Arsenal have nine. Peñarol, the former... Five, four times winners, four times. Four times, I think. Um, winners and the 2012 finalists, they were the side lost to Santos, weren't they? 2011. Which was in 2011, you're quite right. Um, have four points and are out. As they And Swatigi, who have only two. Yeah, the penny roll were awful this year, I'm not sure why. Um, the other sides, however, a little bit more up in the air. We've already mentioned how Newell's old boys in Group 6 had a vital point snatched away a couple of weeks ago at home to Gremio um, in the last minute. They were very, very impressive last week, however, away to Nacional in the estadio, in an almost empty Estadio um, Centenario yeah. uh, because there's a hell of a lot of stuff going on with the Barra Bravas and indeed with the Football Association. Well, we should say Europe, sorry about that because that, that game was the straw that broke the camel's back in the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think... Even though, yeah, the stadium was pretty much empty and there didn't seem enough fans to make trouble, there was trouble. And partly uh, because National fans started just ripping out seats and throwing them at the police and the police got involved. So the following day, uh, President José Mojica, who everyone loves, of course, because he hangs out with the Rolling Stones and goes to government meetings and flip-flops. And legalises marijuana. And legalises marijuana, of course. Decided that he was going to retire all police... What would you say? Escorts, custodies, protection, yeah, police. Let's police, say basically yeah. retire all police from Uruguayan stadiums. Um, this happened. Yeah, this was announced on Friday. On Sunday, Peñarol, who we just mentioned, we're going to play a game and without police. The football union decided that the players' union should say decided no. This is ridiculous. We can't do this. So the game was suspended. And yesterday. The entire board of the um, Uruguayan FA resigned, including the president. And now the yeah. sort of talk, there's been talk that due to kind of the possibility this is regarded as political interference that could affect Uruguay's place at the World Cup. Indeed, it could. Uh, I doubt it'll happen, but it's a, a real chance. I always wonder with that rule about FIFA's why they, how on earth they think that the North Korean Football Association is independent from its government. <laughs> Uh, but there we go um, there is one match some of the uh, Newells and Nacional both have one game left in this group Atletico Nacional who are the Colombian side who confusingly have almost the same name as one of the other sides in the group and Gremio play one another um, in Colombia tomorrow Wednesday night at 10 o'clock Argentine time uh, which will be 8 o'clock Colombian time until they're two hours behind I think, I think so. possibly 9 not sure. Um, so those two teams have got two games left. Newells and Nacional have got one game left each. 
as a result of which it's still very much up in the air. Newell's currently top the group with eight points from five games played. Gremio are second on goal difference with eight points from four games played. Atletico Nacional third with seven points from four games played. But of course, yeah. as we just said, are at home to Gremio tomorrow night. So whatever um, happens Nacional in that game, out, yeah. uh, they've got one point from five games. Um, whatever happens in that game, then Newell's will be dropping down to second. Yes, yes, exactly. Any result will send Newell's down to second. Maybe by one point, maybe by three points, maybe by uh, two points, depending on who wins or whether it's a draw. Uh, but they will still be in second at the end of it, regardless. There's no way they can drop down to third. The remaining fixtures after this week are Gremio versus Nacional and Newell's versus Atletico Nacional. So Newell's at least at home for that. But yeah. they're, uh, they, it's going to be a must-win game for them next week. Yeah, especially going to be a shootout between Newell's and Nacional for the other place. Yeah. So you can imagine Gremio are probably going to... You know, you've got to make them fairly strong favourites to beat Nacional. Yes, Uruguay Nacional. Uh, Lanús looked to be dead and buried. They drew their first match, lost the next two, 3-1 away to Cerro Porteño and 2-1 away to Deportivo Cali. But back-to-back victories, both at home against the same two opponents, first Deportivo Cali, then Cerro Porteño, both by two goals to nil, have taken them from the bottom of the group to the top of the group. And it's the tightest group you can possibly imagine. Because with everybody having played five games... Lanús, Cerro Porteño and Deportivo Cali all have seven points and O'Higgins of Chile have six points. Lanús' remaining match is away to O'Higgins of Chile. Cerro Porteño are at home to Deportivo Cali. Those are both next week. Um, So it's knife-edge stuff in that group. If if you're going to watch one game, uh, then that's going to be on Tuesday next week. Uh, They both kick off at 10 o'clock Argentine time. Same for Lanús, a draw put them through, whatever. Yes, a draw would. Yes, exactly. Yes, a draw would put them onto eight points, and Cerro Porteño and Deportivo Cali, if they drew, would uh, Lanús have finished top of the group. But yeah. if one of them won, then the other obviously would have fewer points than Lanús still. Um, so a draw would put them through, or obviously a win will put them through. And a, and a defeat, defeat would send them out. A defeat. Yeah, because our hands will go up to nine. Uh, not necessarily. No, if they lose and Cerro Porteño and Deportivo Cali produces a winner, Lanús will still finish second on goal difference. No, because oh, no, they will not tonight. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah, defeat would put them out. Um, They're pretty clear cut, then. Yes. And finally, San Lorenzo. Club Atlético Sin Libertadores de América. The one of the big five who've never won the Copa Libertadores. Uh, this is another game where we're still awaiting one of the fifth round matches Botafogo versus Unión Española is going to be played on Wednesday uh, but San Lorenzo were held to another draw away to Independiente del Valle uh, 1-1 was the final score as a result of which San Lorenzo are bottom of group 2 with five games having been played uh, Independiente del Valle have, and San Lorenzo both have five Unión Española have six and Botafogo have seven those last two both from four matches um, it's not looking great for San Lorenzo, is it? No. Given that situation, given that they're not playing very well, they're at home to Botafogo on the last match. for the last match of the uh, of the group stage. Botafogo's away results so far have not been as good as their home ones. They've won their three home matches. I think uh, two 0 against San Lorenzo, one 0 against Independiente del Valle. Of course, they haven't played the other one yet against Unione Española, um, but they've lost one and drawn two away. There you go. Uh, lost. Oh no, they've lost one and drawn one, sorry, they haven't played the third one because that's a way to San Lorenzo, of course. I'm going stupid now. Um, so those are your, your situations in the Copa Libertadores for Argentine teams. All those matches are going to be sorted out at various points of next week. But now it is time to fire up the mystic, uh, uh, the crystal ball and tell you what to bet your pocket money on this weekend. This is Mystic Sam's theme music. Okay, here is Mystic Sam. Quilmes versus Belgrano. This match will have been played probably by the time most of you hear this. It's kicking off in 40 minutes' time, so it definitely um, won't be online, and the pub won't be online before it kicks off. Um, but that is going to be a Quilmes victory. Belgrano very poor away from home. Olimpo de Bahia Blanca versus Vélez Sarsfield. I think Olimpo can win that one. Um, Argentinos Juniors versus Atletico de Rafaela is a draw I think um, Atletico not as good away as they are at home 
Racing versus Estudiantes. What do you think? I think it's going to be a Racing one. Mystic Sam is going for a draw. Godoy Cruz versus Lanus, I think is just about a draw, although Godoy Cruz might edge it. Rosario Central versus Boca Juniors, I think is a Central victory. Colón de Santa Fe versus All Boys. I'm going to go for Colón to win that one. Stay top of the Tornel Final, but of course it's also a massive relegation clash. Um, as we mentioned, both sides on 130 points at the moment in the relegation table. River Plate versus Newell's Old Boys. Because it's uh, because River are at home and Newell's recent Copa Libertadores exploits notwithstanding have been quite poor away, I'm going for a River victory, Ooh. which would make it three wins in a row for them. Gimnasia y Grima La Plata versus Tigre is a Tigre match, so I'm going for a draw. And probably low scoring again, even though the last one finished 2-2. San Lorenzo versus Arsenal de Sarandí. San Lorenzo ought to win. There we go. What do you think of those ones, Tom? I think interesting. I think the most interesting one is going for an Olimpo win. I wonder if that's because you want to see River um, consolidate themselves alone in second. No, it's because Olimpo are strong at home. I think they've played. Uh, I think it's four home games so far in 2014, and they've won three of them. Fair enough, um, fair enough. Against yeah. San Lorenzo, Arsenal, and no, they lost away to Arsenal, but San Lorenzo against uh, decent opponents for the most part. Yeah. But of course, it would be uh, it would be nice if, if River got that as well. Anyway, um, I think that's all we have this week. Indeed, I think so. I shall apologise uh, now for uh, any background noises that you might have he- heard. Normally, I would try and uh, and clean those up a bit out of the recording and cut whatever I can. But because we want to get this one online nice and quickly, I'm just going to cut the gaps, stick the music on, get it mastered and online as quickly as possible. Um, so we hope that you have enjoyed this one take. Uh, no editing hand of pod Um, uh, for now it is goodbye and please come back next week from my brother goodbye who will actually be in England next week so I'm not telling you to come back next week Um, I mean you're welcome to if you want to but (laughs) but you'll be finally back home after about three years or something away Um, goodbye and please come back next week from English Dan if recording suits me I'll be back and goodbye and please come back next week from me I'll definitely be back next week. I hope you will be as well. Goodbye.